Thank you, Pastor Wells. Appreciate it. Yeah, well, amen. It's a blessing to be here with you. Aren't you glad to be saved? Praise the Lord that we can be saved, and that's why we want to go and tell the Chinese people, because many have never even heard the name of Jesus. But if we believe the Bible, which I do, and I'm sure you do, we know that He is the only way to have eternal life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come unto the Father but by me. And that's what He says in His Word, and, and so they need to hear, and so that's what we plan on doing. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about that, and then uh, give you a, a small challenge from God's Word. But this is my wife, Rebecca. And I'm so grateful for her. We've been married for 25 years, and God has been good to us in those 25 years. Yeah, amen. He has been good to us in so many ways. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about those ways. But I want to first tell you about two of our special blessings in our life. We have two daughters, one that's named Emma. She's 23 years old, and she married a young man who came down to the training center. We have a training center in our church that trains missionaries and sends them out. Well, he came down from Ohio to Georgia, and he started the training center, and they met and fell in love, and now they're church planting missionaries to the country of Argentina. So they're going to take the gospel and plant churches down in Argentina. They'll be working with two other missionaries that we know down there in their city, but there's that we actually have uh, two other missionaries that we know in, this, in the country of Argentina because there's a great need there also, just like there is everywhere in the world, uh, because there's continuing to be pe new people to be born that need to hear the gospel, and, and there's people that have never heard, so we, we need to continue. I love uh, some of the songs because we need to tell about that Jesus that we know about. But uh, So that's our oldest daughter, she's Emma, and then our youngest daughter, Abigail, she's 21 years old, and uh, she's currently a senior at Pensacola Christian College, and she's doing really great there. She's studying early childhood education, and uh, she, her plan was to be a, she also surrendered to be a missionary, and, and she was in a, the reason why she did early childhood education, that maybe she could use that as a single missionary, unless, in, 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 if the Lord didn't provide a husband, but he's, he seemingly has done that. He's a young man named Joseph is courting her right now, and he's a church planning missionary to Honduras. So uh, they will be down in Honduras. So we're going to be kind of a family that's scattered around the world. It really wasn't our choice to do that. In fact, one day I had a dream of, 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 of buying some property. And I'd have one daughter's house on the right side of my house, and I'd have another daughter on the other side, because we just were a close-knit family. We loved being together, and we still do. And, and, and it's amazing. You know, God is so good, so I, no way am I saying that. But I mean, that was our plan. But he had a different plan. He broke me of that in 2010. He, when we were, at, we were actually at a, a, the church that we attend now, we were there to, to send off a missionary to China, Mark Tolson, which is the one that we're working with. But we were there at that, uh, that night, and I had this plan. I was, in a, I was looking to buy the land. I was looking. That was my plan. But God just asked me in that service. He just spoke to my heart very clearly, and he said, Are they still mine? And he was speaking about my daughters. Because up talking was the missionary's, uh, Mark Tolson's wife's dad. He was up there saying how he's, he's willing to let his daughter to go to China because he knows that they need to hear the gospel. And the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, are they still mine? And so that day I said, okay, Lord, I dedicated them to you as, as, as babies. I said that they are yours and we want to raise them for your honor and for your glory. And so that day I said, okay, they're still yours. And, and this is the road that he has. We know we get to spend eternity with them. Isn't that a blessing to know that you're going to spend eternity with your family? But there's many around the world that do not have that assurance. And so that's why we're willing to for a time be separated so that we can take the gospel to the world for nations to hear about that because he wants all nations to hear the gospel. He wants all nations. It's not his will that any should perish, 
but it's his will that all should come to repentance. And so he wants us to get the gospel of the world. So I, I do encourage you to pray about and ask that if God would have you to participate in the, is it Annie Armstrong? The Annie Armstrong thing, because there are people that here that they're coming from another country and they have the opportunity to have a church planted in their community where they can hear the gospel. So maybe God would have you be, have a part in that. And you know, God always blesses. He always provides. He will, if you, as you give to him, he, you can never outgive God. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but it is true. We were actually senders for all these years, and so that's going to tell you a little bit about my testimony, about how God saved me. I grew up in a small little town in uh, Wairica, California. Anybody know where Wairica, California is? Well, it's up there right near the Oregon border in California. I grew up there. There's about 7,000 people in the, the town. We actually lived in Big Springs, which actually isn't even a community. It, does, it used to have a post office, and it was called Big Springs, but now the post office is no longer there, so now we're part of Montague. Uh, but that's where I grew up, and, and uh, I did not go to church. I did not know... Uh, we, we just were there ranchers. My, my granddad was a rancher. My, my dad worked at Safeway as a meat cutter, and we lived in that community. And I was just growing up. I was a normal American boy, uh, played baseball, you know, was in 4-H. I raised uh, sheep and uh, different things like that, and I just, everything was going along fine until the seventh grade, and my parents got a divorce. And during that time, the authority structure kind of left my life, and I had a lot more freedom. And if you give a young man freedom to do things, he will usually choose wrongly, and that's exactly what I did. And so even though in that very small town, you can actually get into a lot of trouble as a young man. And that's what I did. And I was involved in a lot of things that I'm not happy or, or proud of. Uh, and I was a very destructive lifestyle. And so all going up through college, I lived a very destructive lifestyle. And I was bringing others in on that destructive lifestyle. And, but at the age of 18, I was about ready to graduate high school. And it, it made me start, I started thinking about life. And I realized um, my, uh, that if I continued down this road of the life that I was living, it was going to be a very uh, destructive life. It was going to be not good. I would be hurting others and myself with this, this lifestyle. So I, I thought, what can I do? Well, there was a time in the third grade that I, a Baptist preacher sent a bus by our house, and he, he knocked on our door, and he invited us to church. And so for about three months before we moved from that location, I was invited to go to church. And so I did remember the, the Jesus that my Sunday school teacher taught me about. You know, so if you're, if you're out there reaching and sharing the gospel with people, I know it seems as though they're not paying attention, but I'm grateful for my Sunday school teacher because when I was looking for answers, I remembered the Jesus that she talked about. So I thought, well, maybe he can help me. And so I came to church. I came down and sat down. It was actually at what's called the Greenhorn Grange. It was just a local community center, but a church was meeting there. And, and, and I sat down in the front row not knowing what to expect that day, but I heard the gospel for the first time that I clearly remember it. I was told that there is none righteous, no, not one. And I knew that was me. I knew that I was a sinner. The Bible continues on that same chapter of Romans. It says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And as I sat there that morning, I realized that was me. Not only had I broken man's law, but I'd broken God's law. And so as I sat there, a condemned sinner, because he went on to say what Romans 6 says, it says the wages of sin is death. And I realized what that means. I know what wages are. Wages are something that you earn. And that, uh, so my sin had earned me this death. And he went on to explain that that death is eternal separation from God. And that's, I knew that was my state. I knew that's where I was at if, I did, if something didn't change. But then he went on to say the second part of Romans 6, 23, which says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ my Lord. So that day, I repented of my sins and I accepted the gift of eternal life. 
it's such a wonderful gift, and it, and it, is, a, it is so wonderful that Jesus was willing. We're about ready to celebrate his resurrection. He lives, and the reason he lives, he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins so that we could have eternal life, so that we weren't, that, that death, eternal death was not our uh, future, but that we could have eternal life. So that day I got saved, and my eyes were open. I knew something was different. I knew something had changed. I don't know all the words that I know today from the Bible. I just knew something had changed dramatically in my life. And even as I told others about what happened, and the ones that were Christians, they knew, and they would tell others. They they didn't even say it to me, but I had one uh, person that went and told her mom, and that the mom the next time I saw her comes up and gives me a big hug and says, "I'm so glad you're born again." I'm like, "Okay, what's that?" You know, <laughs> I didn't know what it was, but I knew something had changed in my life. And so as I went off to college, I went to Chico State because I already had plans to go there and trying to figure all this out. And for the next couple of years, um, struggling trying to figure out everything. But then there was a man that came by. And he opened up the Bible and he showed me how to live the Christian life. And I'm so grateful for that. It's so important for us to not only be saved, and, uh, but also to be discipled so that we can learn how to live the Christian life. I'm so grateful for your pastor that wants to study the Word of God and teach you, continually teach you, because we need to know what the Word of God says so that we can grow and it can be ingrained in us and that we can live out the life that God would have us to live. And that's exactly what he did. He showed me um, in the Bible how to live. And so from them, I soon met Rebecca, and she has a similar testimony. She was saved at the age of seven, but it was in college where someone opened the Word of God and showed her how to live that. So when, when we met, we were both in a place where we were moving forward, trying to serve God however we could. And that's where we've been for the last uh, 25 years. Served in the local church most recently. Uh, I was preaching in the jails for over eight years and then uh, assisted living home and, and serving there. I, I taught an adult Sunday school class and uh, was, we, we taught work with the youth at our church and we were serving however we could. Well, one day, as of my practice, I, would, I was praying for my Sunday school's prayer request. And as I was doing that, uh, I, I, I got through praying and I opened up my New Testament reading for the day. And it was Matthew chapter 7, 8, and 9. And so as I got to the end of chapter number 9, uh, I found something that, that has happened many, many, many times. And I'm sure it's happened to you. You know, this book is a living book. Has anybody else experienced that? As you read the Bible, it's amazing how God will speak to your heart. A passage that you may have read several times, but this time in particular, he, he grabs a hold of you. We did that this morning as I was reading this passage. It says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors unto his har into his harvest. So we see here Jesus, it's a prayer request from him. And so I just got through praying for my brothers and sisters in Christ, their prayer request. And it was though Jesus was asking me, hey, I have a prayer request too. Will you pray for that? And we know that this is the only time that Jesus tells us specifically to pray for something. You know, he tells us to pray, but he tells us, I want you to pray for something specifically. And what is that? And, and, and he says, pray either for the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into the harvest. So why did he ask us to pray for that? Because there is a problem out there. There are not enough laborers taking the gospel to the world. The, the harvest is plenteous. That means there's plenty of people that are ready to be saved. That's not the problem. The problem is there's not enough laborers taking the gospel to them. And so Jesus is asking you and me, and that morning he spoke to me very clearly. He said, will you pray for me to pray for more laborers to be raised up? And so I said, yeah, yes, Lord, I'll be praying for that. So I wrote it down on my list, and I started praying and asking God to raise up more laborers. And as I would do that, I would think about it. As I'd be praying for that each morning, I would think about what is the harvest? 
The harvest is something that only comes around at a certain season every time. And, and in this illustration, it's an agricultural illustration to show us the spiritual truth. It's the fact that, um, that there are people all over the world that they only have this lifetime to be saved. The harvest can only come in during this lifetime because we know that once they die, they're, if they have not put their faith in Jesus Christ, that they're going to spend eternity in hell. Now, we don't like to think about that, but that's what the Bible clearly teaches. And so there's a harvest out there. There are people out there that need to hear the gospel and be saved. But the problem is not them. It's the laborers taking the gospel to them. And so I started praying and asking that. As I do that, I started I was thinking about different people in our church. I must say, I was thinking of younger people, Pastor. I really was. I was thinking of these younger 20-year-olds that need to surrender and give their life to take the gospel to the world. And so I'd be praying for that each morning, even thinking about them as I was praying. Well, one morning as I was praying that, the Lord just very clearly spoke to my heart, and he said, will you go? You know, we, I had a great, I had a successful career. I was a software engineer for a company called Avaya and making really good money. I worked at home so I didn't have to deal with traffic. I could, we could live anywhere in the United States as long as there was high-speed internet. I mean, everything was moving along. The girls were about ready to leave the nest. I mean, we were thinking about just kind of cruising home to glory, you know, and that's, what, that's kind of what I was thinking. We would just enjoy that serving in our local church. We were serving in various capacities. I thought we were doing all that God would have us to do. But he said, will you go? And it was an easy answer because I, I, I just told you about all the blessings of our life, and God has been so good to us. I'm saved. He saved me from a life of destruction on this earth, and he saved me for all eternity. And so it was, yes, Lord, I will go. And so I surrendered that day. God already knew that where we were headed. He had, we had tickets purchased to go to China that year because... Um, the year before, that missionary that I told you about, Mark Tolson, he would, he'd ask if I'd be willing to take a group of young people over there. So that morning, I surrendered to a missionary, and we were flying to China in just a few months. And as I landed in China, uh, it says in verse 36, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Well, one of the things you'll see in China are multitudes. It is the largest populated country in the world at 1.4 billion people. That's a lot of people. In fact, it's so many people, we don't even, can't even really get our mind around it. But just to give you an idea, the United States is number three on the population list. That means we have the third largest populated country in the world. And yet, if you multiply our population by four, you still do not reach the population of China. That's how many people are there. And yet, they're number, we're number uh, four on, the, I mean, on the, the land area, or three or four, and China's three or four. They're one after us. So they're about the same size as us, yet they have four times the amount of people. And so we land there, and we land in the city of 6.5 million people, Dalian, China. And as we just see all these people, and as we got to interact with them, because there was this place called an English Corner, which English Corner is simply a place where they come to practice their English with one another. So they know that English is the language of commerce. So if they learn English, they'll be, do better in business. And so they would come to these places. It would just be a gathering place, and they would come and practice their English. You know, hi, how are you? And then the other person would say, fine, how are you? You know, they practice that with one another. But, they, you know, two Chinese people trying to practice English is not a good thing. That would be like each one of us trying to practice our Chinese with each other. We would... We would, help, we would help each other do it wrong, right? And so when an English person walks into these corners, they, they get really excited because they're like, I can talk to someone that really speaks the English language. And so we'd walk up there, and they would surround us. 
and we, we could talk about anything we wanted to talk about at these English corners. And, and so we would open up the question trying to get it going. We'd always want to bring it to the gospel, which would be right away. So I would ask them right away, do you believe that there is a God? Because the country teaches as a whole, the government says it's a communist country, and it teaches that there is no God. That's what the government teaches in the schools, that there is no God. And so I would ask them, do you believe that there is a God, just to get the conversation going? And these young college students would tell me the same thing. Every single one of them told me the same thing. They said, I was told in the fifth grade that there is no God, and I haven't thought about it since. You know, and I, I realized later, as I thought about that that evening, I realized, isn't it true that if an authority figure tells you something, you'll continue to believe it, even if it's a lie, unless someone challenges your thinking? So they need a preacher. They need a preacher. They need a laborer to go and take the gospel to them to challenge their thinking. And so that's what Rebecca and I are going. We're going to be pre preachers of the gospel, to share the gospel with them uh, in order for them to hear the gospel and be saved. So they will, their thinking will be challenged. Because it was amazing, just at these English corners, even just a short challenge, uh, would, would they would get their thinking. They would think, yeah, that makes sense what you're saying. Because we would ask them questions, well, how did the, how did the trees get here? You know, because they, they believe, they teach in the school's evolution, but they, if you challenge that even a little bit, you, it's easy for them to understand, well, that's ridiculous. Uh, how could something come from nothing? That, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So, so that's what we'll do. We'll go there and we'll evangelize the lost. We'll share the gospel with them. And as they start getting saved, we'll start churches. And as we start churches, our main ministry will be training men. Because as in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, uh, we're told how to continue the work of the ministry. How to, uh, uh, it says in chapter... Two, verse 2 of 2 Timothy, it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. And that's what we'll do. We'll teach them to, to continue the work of the ministry. We'll train them to be pastors. We'll train them to be lay leaders in the, in the church. We'll train them to continue the work of the ministry. And that's how the work will go long past where we're there. And so if you would pray for us, if you would pray, God, that would help us to get there, that God would help us to learn the language, and that God would help us to plant as many churches as possible. Uh, we would appreciate that. I have a real easy way for you to remember to pray for us. How many, how many of you like putting pepper on your food? You like putting pepper on your food? All right, well, next time you reach for that pepper shaker, remember you're dining with pepper, and pray for the pepper dines, and pray that we'll be salt and light to the Chinese people, because remember, it's friend salt. And if you forget what country we're going to, oh, the Pepperdines, where are they going to? When you get through eating, just turn your plate over, and it probably says, made in China, right? So, well, I thank you for the opportunity to present a little bit about the ministry. If you would, turn in your Bibles uh, to Luke uh, chapter number two. If I'll be brief here, uh, but I just, uh, I, I love this uh, chapter because of uh, what it's saying. I know this is, is, is talking about Christmas, and, uh, but I think you'll be encouraged by what it says in Luke chapter number two here. Luke chapter number 2, uh, starting in verse number 9. It says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is, is Christ the Lord. So we see here, you know, like I said, this is a Christmas story. This is usually only, we talk about it during Christmas. We don't talk about it this time of year, but it is very important all time of year because look what it says. It says, I bring you good 
tidings. The angels were saying, there is something big about to happen. I have some good news for you. It's the greatest news of all kind. It is the fact that Jesus the Christ is coming. The Savior of the world is coming to, to save his people from their sins. This is what the Jews had been looking for. It had been prophesied from the old times all the way in the Old Testament. You read all about it. It's talking about this day that would come. We read about in Isaiah how the, that a virgin would have a baby and that baby would be the Savior of the world. God would be with us is what we read about. So it's good news. It's good tidings. And that's what the angels are here to talk about. They're here to declare this. And the shepherds, the, these lowly shepherds are the one that get to hear this great message. That, that means that it doesn't matter the rich or the poor or wherever you're at in your stage in life, the good tidings is for everyone. And that's who it's being brought to. And so we see in this passage, it is a great uh, passage, especially this time of year, because we're celebrating the really, I mean, the, the, the culmination of why Jesus came, the resurrection of Jesus, the time where he died on the cross for our sins. And the reason why it is such good tidings is because there are some bad tidings, right? There are some very bad tidings. Now, there are some horrible news that all mankind, since the very beginning of time, Adam and Eve were given one rule not to, not to break. They were told not to do one thing, and yet they broke that rule. They broke the one rule that God uh, told them uh, not to break, and they, they brought sin into this world. And it says because of what Adam did on, uh, on breaking that rule, that from all, uh, all men are born under sin, each and every one of us. That's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin, because he could not come through the sinful line of, of Adam. He had to come a different way. But what the bad news is, is that every single person is a sinner. The Bible teaches, as I mentioned in my testimony, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is bad news. That is horrible news. I mean, this is a, this is, it means that every single person that lives in this world, that they uh, are dead and their wages of sin is death and they are going to go to spend eternity in hell. That's bad news. But the good news has come. And that's what we hear about here in this passage, that there is going to be good news. Good tidings have come. The Savior is here to save his people from their sins. He is going to make a way for them to be delivered from this, the bad news that's why it's such good news. You know, the, the, the reason why I mean, we talk about the gospel, which simply means good news, and, and we get excited about that, but the reason why the good news is so good is because the bad news is so bad. And that's why we, it's good tidings. And so that's what, that's what they're being told. And he says, fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings. And so the good tidings, but there's such bad tidings ahead of that. But they know it's good tidings. And they said of great joy. And the reason why there's so much joy is because of, of, of there's, the Savior has come. And he says that in verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The Messiah has come. The Lord has come. It's the greatest news of all time. And every single one of us in this room, your pastor teaches verse by verse. I know you, you know what the Bible teaches that, and every single one of you knows this good tidings. We have the greatest message of all times, and that's what it's declaring there to these shepherds. And look what, look what they do. We'll go down to verse number 17. It says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. It just, it just makes sense. I mean, when you get good news, when you have great news, you know, when we, when we hear about a new baby being born in the family, everybody is excited about that, and they go tell everybody 
somebody else. Oh, some so and so is about ready to have a baby because that's good news. My my niece is about ready today. I mean, I don't know about all this stuff, and maybe maybe you all do, but they have what's called reveal parties now, right? And so today is the day for that. So everybody's all excited about it. it's going to be a is it going to be a boy or a girl? You know, so the day is the biggest. That's good news, and so they're telling everybody about it, and everybody in the family is talking about it. And what, is it going to be a boy? Is it going to be a girl? All that stuff because it's good news. It's exciting for them. This new baby, their first child that they're going to have. But this is taught, this is far greater than that. And we have that message. We have that message of good tidings. We have, we know what this means. I mean, even during this time, the shepherds were probably like, we've heard about this all our life, and now we know. I mean, he is coming, and we, we get to even go see him. And so they make known abroad the same which was told them concerning this child. And notice in verse 18, it says, And all they that heard it wondered all those things which were told them by the shepherd. We should be telling people the good news, the message that we know, because we should have them to start thinking, what is this message? Why are they so excited about the fact that they're saved. You know, as I mentioned, when I got saved at the age of 18, I mean, I, I was telling people something has changed in my life. I don't even know how to explain it, but I just had to tell them. And we should be that way as well because we have the greatest message of all time. And so as I think about this, it reminds me of a story from the Old Testament. So if you would turn in your Bibles uh, to... Um, to first, I mean, Second Kings, excuse me, Second Kings, real quick, because it reminds me of this uh, chapter. We can learn a lot uh, from this passage in Second Kings. It's this historic event that can teach us about that. In in uh, and we're we're gonna look in in uh, chapter number six, and then we'll go into chapter number seven. But what we what we pick up in this historical event in chapter Second Kings, uh, chapter number six and seven, is the Assyrian army has has surrounded uh, the 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 Jerusalem uh, the the city of Jerusalem. And, and, and it's completely surrounded. The city is under siege. And it's so bad now. Uh, we read about here in this passage, it starts in verse number 24, 624. Uh, the king of Syria, so it's the Syria army, is, is surrounding this city and they besieged it. And so they, they're not allowing anything to go in or out of that city. So in verse 24 is where we pick up. And it says, And it came to pass after this thing that Ben-Hadad, uh, king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, there besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver, and the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. That is bad news. I mean, I don't know about you, but when's the last time you were hungry for donkey's head? Anyone? I mean, I, I, that's not something I get hungry for. But it was selling for, uh, for how many pieces of silver there? Uh, for, for four score pieces of silver. That's 80 pieces of silver this donkey's head for. And not only worse than that, dove's dung. You know, you know that, that is not good. When's the last time when you're driving down the road and a dove lets loose on, on your windshield and you thought, wow, that looks tempting. I want to eat that, right? We would never do that because that is, that is great. But it was so bad there. It was so bad that they were willing to pay money for that because they were in such bad place. It was bad news. I mean, this, this was a horrible situation there. And this is where we find them in and, and, and they're, they're in such bad places here. But then we go over to, uh, to chapter number seven and we read about uh, these lepers that are there. Uh, there's these lepers in, in verse number four, I mean verse number three of chapter number seven. And it says, And there were four leprous men at the inner end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. So basically, they're like, Okay, we're in bad shape here in the city. The Syrian army is out there. Because you remember, the, leper, the lepers are at the bottom of the chain. I mean, they're at the very bottom. So it's bad for 
those that have money in the city, it's far worse for the lepers down below. And so they're, they're realizing how bad the situation is. They said, so we're either going to die here or if we go over to the Syrian army and throw ourselves to their mercy, maybe we'll get some food. And so they decided to do that. They said, well, it's better to die out there and get it over with than to stay here and just starve to death. And so they go over to the, the Syrian army. What they didn't know is God had prophesied. He had said in his word. He had told uh, the king that, that tomorrow everything is going to be fine. And they kind of laughed at the prophet and said, you, 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 everything cannot be fine in just one day. Well, what God had done, he had scared the whole Syrian army that night. He had scared them and they ran. And they, they were so scared that they didn't even bother to pick up things. They just ran left everything out. So when the leopards go out into the city, they find all the riches of the Syrian army. They have food galore. I mean, all this food, all their money, everything is left for them. And so they're like, wow, this is great. We have everything for us. So they were in just a very bad situation. They had very bad news that they were going to die and that it'd be better to throw themselves on the enemy army rather than, than, than just sit there and die. And so they had very bad news. But then as they, they did that, it, it goes on. It says, and when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink. So they go into the first tent. Wow, we'll eat here. And then they, they, uh, they, they did eat and drink and carry their silver, gold, and raiment. So they had clothes, they had silver, over their gold and they went and hid it. So they were starting to go from tent to tent and they just realized they got all these goods. I mean, everything is going great for them. All of a sudden, they, were, they went from the, the worst possible situation and now they have the best possible situation. They have money, they have clothes, they have food, they have everything they need. In fact, so much so they have to hide it. They have, to, they have more than they can carry, so they have to hide it around. And so that's where their situation, they went from a very bad situation into a great situation. And so we read on in, in verse number 8, it says, And he came again and entered into another tent, and carried thence also, and went and hid it. But look at verse number 9. It says, Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. That same word is used there, good tidings, as we hear about the, in the New Testament there. But it says, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. They have the, they have the answer to life. There's a, there's a whole city there that is dying, that they are going to perish. They, they do not have the resources. In fact, it's so bad there. I didn't go out and tell you this, but it was so bad there. They were willing to sell each other's babies one for another. They were willing to eat their babies. It was so bad there. That's how bad it is there. And, 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 and the leopards realized, you know, we have it good here. They were the bottom of the, the, the totem pole. I mean, they were the bottom of, of, of ever, the whole society. They did not have anything, and yet they realized, even in that state, that they have the answer to life. They, they have the answer for this city. They have a way to get that city out of the, 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 the horrible situation that they're in. And so they say, we do not well. They could have easily just taken that and spent the next few weeks to, you know, gathering all that stuff up and had all those riches to themselves. But they realize we do not well. We have a message of good tidings. We have the answer to those people in the city there. And so we do not well. We need to go take that to them. Well, it's, the, the application is simple, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have the message of life. We have the good tidings that we hear about, read about in the book of Luke. Are we going to take that to the world? Are we going to take that to our neighbors across the street? 
I'm so thankful for our brother here that hands out lots of tracts. I'm th so thankful for our sister that, that does so much to get people, let them know, to hear the message of the gospel. But all of us need to be involved in that. All of us need to be involved because we have the greatest message. We don't do well just like the lepers didn't do well. If we hold that message to ourselves. The reason why we're going to the country of China is because I, I was, we were doing very well. Everything was comfortable for us. We could have easily just continued living the American life. I want to live in America more than any place. This is the greatest nation to live in. It's the best place to live in. But I realize, you know, there's a whole there's a whole world out there that does not have the gospel, and each one of us needs to realize that as well, that we don't do well if we keep the message to ourselves. We need to take the message of life, the message of the gospel, the good tidings that we have, because there's a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear that message. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God, for this e this morning, and I thank you for the privilege of being able to share a little bit about how what you're going to do in China. God, we know that it's all you. We know that it's you that's working through us, uh, but yet we have a message. We've been saved. We've we, Our eyes have been opened, Lord, and I pray for everybody that is here this morning, that they would think about that, that they would realize that they have the good tidings, the greatest message of all time, the message of life, the message that, that will turn someone from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God, and they will take that message to those around them and do all they can to get the gospel to the world as well. Be involved in, in, in different uh, providing for ministries around the world that are doing that. Getting involved however they can. I pray, God, that you would challenge our hearts. I know I am challenged by this message. I'm challenged by your word over and over again. I know that your heart is to reach the nations. You came. You left the riches of heaven, Jesus, to come and become poor on this earth and be willing to die on a cross, being mistreated even though you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, so that we might have eternal life. May we take that message to the world, Lord. I pray that you would challenge our hearts to do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.